This week we're looking at the first six verses of James chapter 5. Many people wrongly believe the Bible teaches it's wrong to be wealthy or the Bible teaches it's wrong to have money. They think the Bible says the money is the root of all evil. And the scripture actually says it's the love of money. The love of money that is the root of all evil. So God is not opposed to wealth. In fact, many of the people in the Bible were extremely wealthy. Abraham was probably a millionaire compared to our terms today. Job, he was the wealthiest man of his time. David and Solomon, both were wealthy men at their time. We know that Barnabas, he made a lot of money because he gave a lot to the church. Joseph of Arimathea, the man who gave Jesus his tomb was extremely wealthy. So God is not opposed to wealth. But God is opposed to the misuse, the abuse of wealth. And God wants us to use our wealth wisely. No matter how much or how little we make. Now in New Testament times, there was not a real middle class. In the New Testament, people were either very rich or they're very poor. There was little in between. You either are a have or you are a have not. And the system caused the rich to get richer, the poor to get poorer. The rich tended to oppress and manipulate the poor. And the poor were continually abused. So James, in this passage, he lashes out at non-Christian use of money by the wealthy. James gives us a strong rebuke about the wrong uses of wealth. And although we today may not abuse wealth in the same degree as the rich in James' day, we need to take these passages as a healthy warning. A warning to us in making sure that no matter how much money we have, that we use it wisely. So please take out the sermon notes that have been prepared for you. We want to look at two wrong uses first of wealth. And you know, we need to avoid them. All we... We all need to understand. We and as people who live in America, we are wealthy. By the world's standards, if you own a car, you're wealthy. If you own a house, you're wealthy. You're in the top 5% of the world. I say that just so that we know God is really blessing each of us. We need to be grateful for what we have. So James here mentions two wrong uses of wealth. And how to avoid them. The first issue that James talks about, number one in your notes, accumulation of wealth. James says, don't hoard it. Yeah, don't hoard it. Looking at James 5, verse 3, you have hoarded wealth in the last days. So God says that money is not to be stockpiled, not to be collected just for the sake of having it. God wants his money in circulation. God is not talking about savings here. We'll note the legitimate place for savings in just a minute. In fact, God encourages us to save our money. But here James is talking about getting more and more, stashing more and more away. This is where money becomes an end in itself. Accumulating became a goal of life. Money could no longer be used properly. So in New Testament times, there were three ways to hoard wealth. And you notice number one, you could stockpile food. You stockpiled your food. 
Number two, you could collect clothes, collecting clothes. And number three, you could gather metals, gathering precious metals and jewels. This is the way that the wealthy people showed off their wealth in New Testament times. You would have a lot of food, a lot of clothes, precious metals. So look at what James says about these three types of wealth. Look at what James says in James 5, verses 2 and 3. He says, your wealth has rotten. Moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. So what's James saying here? He's saying that everything you have gotten, your food, your clothes, your metals, whatever you simply accumulate, deteriorates. And what part of your clothes gets moth-eaten? The part that you're wearing or those you have stockpiled in your closets? Of course, the ones that you hoard away. What food is usually rotten? The food that you're eating or is it the food that you collected in the back of your refrigerator? You can create new life forms in some of your refrigerators. In your notes, the result, the result of hoarding, whatever I accumulate, James says, will deteriorate. So God doesn't want us to get wealthy just for the sake of having wealth. Number two, the second issue that James talks about is the allocation of wealth. That is, how do we spend money? And he says in your notes, don't waste it. So number one, don't hoard it. Then number two, don't waste it. Look at James 5, verse 5. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. So James is very upset with the rich and how they're spending their money. One of the greatest temptations that we face when we make more and more money, we're tempted to spend more and more money on ourselves. The more money you make, the easier it is to waste it. You say things like, hey, I'm worth it. Or I can afford it, so why not? Just because you can afford something does not mean that you should buy it. So James says, don't waste it. Our society today gets a strange pleasure of watching people waste their money. The most popular programs on TV have been shows like Dynasty or Dallas and these wealthy families. They spent millions where the clothing budget itself would pay off the national debt. We don't see many shows about the poor people and what they're like. Lifestyles of the poor and the unknown. No, it's lifestyles of the rich and the famous. So James says, we're not to waste our money. Six months before Christmas, the advertisers are already planning to how to get your money, to waste your money. So James says, in the accumulation of wealth, don't hoard it. In the allocation of wealth, don't waste it. Let's now look at what the Bible says about the right uses of wealth. We want to look at three right uses of wealth. So in your notes, we need to practice these three. Practice these ways, God says, are the proper allocation, the proper allocation, the proper application of wealth. Number one, in your notes, the right accumulation. James says, save money faithfully. Save money faithfully. Looking at Proverbs 21, verse 20, the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. This is the principle of saving. Save money faithfully. The average American saves only 4% of his income. 4%. In Europe, 
the average person saves 16% of his income. In Japan, the average person saves 25% of his income. Why is that? Why do we save so little in America? I think it's because that we live in for today. We are now generation. I want it now, and I'll put it on my credit card. God says that the wise person saves. He invests his money. In fact, Jesus tells many parables about money. In fact, over half of them are about the use of money. Jesus talks about how a wise man, he invests his money. The unwise man did not invest it. And the master called the unwise man wicked. So how, in order to have the habit of saving faithfully, you need to do two things. And you know it's two keys to saving. Number one, learn to live on margin. You need to live on the margin. That means that you need to learn to live with less than you're earning and making. John D. Rockefeller used to say, save 10%, tithe 10%, live on 80%. That worked for him, but it takes discipline. This is also helpful in use of our own time. You always are late for someplace. You probably are not giving yourself enough margin in order to arrive on time. So we need to learn to live on a margin. Number two, if you're going to be a saver, you need to learn contentment. We need to learn contentment with what we have. Otherwise, you spend all your money that you have. One fellow used to say, use it up, wear it out, make it do, or do without. He actually became a millionaire with that philosophy. One of the biggest enemies of our contentment today is advertising. We see things as they are advertised, and we simply want them. So what's the purpose? What's the purpose of saving? This is where the Bible differs from the world's thinking in a very major way. See, the world says you save money. You save your money in order to gain more security. If I can just make and accumulate enough, a big enough bank account, I'll be financially secure. The problem is, There's no absolute security in saving money. Biblically, in your notes, you don't save money for security. Saving is never for your security in the Bible. So on the back of your notes, in the Bible, there are just three stewardship reasons to save. The Christian saves for stewardship reasons. The Bible teaches us, number one, saving prevents us from impulse buying. Saving prevents us from impulse buying. You're not saving it, you have a tendency to spend it as soon as you get it. Proverbs says the foolish man spends whatever he gets. The second stewardship reason, save. Saving allows us to help other people. Saving allows us to help other people who are in need. You save, therefore, in order to help. And number three, saving actually gets your money to work for you. See, it helps your money to work for you. Otherwise, you're simply working for your money. That principle is an investment. At times, I've been asked, how much money? Just how much money can I make as a Christian? The Bible is answer. Biblically, there is no set limits. None. The Bible is there to set limits on the amount of money. No set limits that a Christian can make. But there are four qualifications, the Bible states. So in your notes, As long as it doesn't do four things, you can make as much money as you can in your lifetime. Number one, as long as it doesn't hurt your health, 
If it doesn't hurt your health. Some people will literally work themselves to death. They amass a personal fortune. They have a heart attack. The Bible teaches us that your health always takes priority over your wealth. In Proverbs 23, do not wear yourself out getting rich, the Bible says. Number two in your notes, make as much as you can, as long as it doesn't hurt your family. If it doesn't hurt your family. You see, many homes have fallen apart because both parents are working long hours trying to buy things. We are so busy making a living, we forget to make a life. And number three, as long as it doesn't hurt other people, if it doesn't hurt other people, this is the exact opposite of the world's view. The world says this is a dog-eat-dog world. Go out there, get all you can, and can all you get. And number four, as long as it doesn't hurt your spiritual life. If it doesn't hurt your spiritual life, you need to keep your spiritual life on the same level. In other words, that when you make more and more money, you need to grow more and more spiritually. We need to seek God's blessing spiritually on our lives as much as we seek his blessings materially. Too often, too often we work so much, we're too tired to come to worship. Too often, we work such long hours, we're too tired to read our Bibles, to serve in the church, to help with ministries that we are gifted for. We have people who have wrapped themselves up in making money to live on and have hindered, and it has hindered their spiritual growth. In fact, they become spiritual pygmies, runts. God wants your lives to be in balance. If you're setting financial goals, then you need to set spiritual goals as well. Number two, second right use of wealth is the right allocation. That is to spend money, you spend money wisely. Spend money wisely. Looking at Proverbs 21, verse 5. The plans I have a diligently to profit as surely as haste leads to property. The Bible is talking here about planning talking about budgeting your money, planning your spending. See, it's really amazing. We can spend 16 years or more in school learning how to make money. We don't spend six weeks learning how to spend it wisely. Would you agree that it's easier to get into debt than it is to get out of debt? Sure, no problem to get into debt. Those easy payment plans, however, are never easy. The number one reason for financial problems, it's not that we don't make enough that we don't spend our money wisely. The amount of money one makes does not solve our financial problems. In your notes, our yearning, our yearning capacity exceeds our earning capacity. Our yearning exceeds our yearning. In America, we do have good incomes. We need to learn to spend it wisely. So how do you spell relief? The key for allocation in your notes is B-U-D-G-E-T. The key to the budget. Spending money wisely, simply having a budget. Budget is simply planned spending. Budget is simply telling your money where you want it to be going instead of wondering, hey, where did my money go to? So the wise man plans. Just look at Proverbs 27, verse 23. Riches can disappear fast. So watch your business. Interest closely. So the opposite of spending wisely is impulse by vine. Haste makes waste. In conclusion, look at the right application. Give money generously, Paul says. 
How do we use our influence that money gives? God says, you give it generously. Looking at Proverbs 11, it is possible to give away and become richer. It's also possible to hold on too tightly and lose everything. Yes, the generous man shall be generous, shall be rich. By watering others, he waters himself. This is the principle that even Jesus taught. Give, and then it will be given to you. It's like planting seeds. The more more we sow, the more we reap. God is a giver. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his one and only son. Jesus died on the cross for you and for me. Jesus willingly shed his blood for us. The gospel is that good news of God's giving. And God wants us to learn to become like him. God wants us to become givers. We can store up our treasures. Looking at Matthew 6.20. Jesus says, store up your treasure in heaven. You can store up treasure in heaven in two ways. In your notes, you can invest in God's word. When you study and you share God's word, you enable people to go to heaven. You're investing treasure in heaven when you invest in God's word. And secondly, you invest in people. People will last forever. People of this world realize the influence that money has. They want to use it for wrong reasons for themselves. And we as Christians, we are to use worldly wealth, invested in God's word, helping people to come to know Jesus. Then you too will be making friends for eternity. When you get to heaven, they'll say to you, I'm here because of you. You gave to my church where my children learned about Jesus. You gave to a missionary that enables a whole mission village to come know about Jesus. Our generous giving needs to be regular, needs to be consistent. How do we do that? Well, Paul tells us, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2. Please read it with me together out loud. On every Sunday, put aside something from what you have during the week. Use it for the offering. The amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you to earn. Learn to use your wealth wisely. Avoid two things. Don't hoard it. Don't waste it. Practice these three. Save money faithfully. Spend money wisely. Give money generously. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.